Hello and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today is December the 7th, 2021. Early in the afternoon of December the 7th, 1941, President Franklin D. Roosevelt and his chief foreign policy aide, Harry Hopkins, were interrupted by a telephone call from Secretary of War Henry Stimson and told that the Japanese had attacked Pearl Harbor. At about 5 p.m., following meetings with his military advisors, the president calmly and decisively dictated to his secretary, Grace Tully, a request to Congress for a declaration of war. On December the 8th at 12.30 p.m., Roosevelt addressed a joint session of Congress and the nation via radio. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. I regret to tell you that very many American lives have been lost. In addition, American ships have been reported torpedoed on the high seas between San Francisco and Honolulu. Each year on December 7th, Pearl Harbor survivors, veterans, and visitors from all over the world come together to honor and remember the 2,403 service members and civilians who were killed during the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, December the 7th, 1941. A further 1,178 people were injured in the attack, which permanently sank two U.S. Navy battleships, the USS Arizona and the USS Utah, and destroyed 188 aircraft. On August 23, 1994, the United States Congress designated December 7th as National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day. We at Bot Radio Network salute those men and women who served and gave the ultimate sacrifice for our country. As we continue with today's Mid-South Viewpoint, I want to introduce to you Dr. Matt Crawford, Senior Pastor at Trinity Baptist Church. Dr. Crawford was recently featured on our Pastors Forum radio show that I also have the privilege of hosting Sundays at 1245 and 7 p.m. I formatted the two-part interview with Dr. Crawford to fit within the time frame of our show today. Let's join that conversation now. Looking forward to our time together with Pastor Matt Crawford of the Trinity Baptist Church in Cordova. Pastor Matt, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much, Byron. It's great to be with you. You are in the process of of starting a little feature on Bot Radio, a 60-second feature, starting in January. You needed some help with some equipment, and I had a recommendation list and gave it to you, and it looks like you pretty much bought everything on the list. Yeah, I did have to borrow an SD card, so I appreciate your help there. But we'll get it together. I'm excited to, to learn how to use this. We're excited, too. We've actually been wanting to get together for a while now. It hasn't been too long ago that you took over the helm as the senior pastor at Trinity. Yes, sir. We just celebrated one year, our family. My wife and I have five five kids, and we just moved uh, from Tallahassee, Florida. We're both native uh, Central Floridians, uh, but we have fallen in love with Memphis, and we are blessed to serve a wonderful church. How can you leave the Sunshine State? <laughs> well, you know, that's funny. My wife and I have different uh, opinions of that. She she likes being hot all the time. I am over it, man. Uh, my whole life, other than going to seminary, I lived in Florida, most of it in Central Florida, 
10 months of sweating. <laughs> so I'm loving the seasons here, man. I love the change. Well, you know, there was another pastor who left Central Florida back many years ago, the late Adrian Rogers. Yeah, well, Dr. Rogers, <laughs> I grew up in First Baptist Merritt Island, the church that he left from. Jim Whitmire married my parents. So that has no connection to me being in Memphis, <laughs> but I, I know that story well. I bet you do. So how did you meet your wife? Uh, we met at UCF, University of Central Florida. We met through the Baptist Collegiate Ministries there. Some, you know, some of your listeners may have grown up going to BSU, same organization, yeah, just a different yeah. name. Uh, that organization was key in my discipleship, and right. Christy and I met through that, and and uh, and we're blessed to serve and grow in our faith there. How about some backstory of your family growing up, your parents, and what yeah. kind of work your dad did? What was your mom like? Yeah, so uh, my father was a police officer pretty much all his career. That's a big thing in, in that side of the family. His father, his brother, all, you know, cops, uh, served our community faithfully, and he worked his way all the way up at one agency to be chief. And, and then now has kind of a second career after he retired that. He's a business administrator at my home church where I grew up, First Baptist Merritt Island. Whoa. So we got to work together, actually, for quite a few years. But uh, my mom, once they started having kids, she stayed home, sacrificed, wow. uh, you know, yeah. gave up a career to, yeah. to raise us, me and yeah. my three sisters. So uh, they're dedicated folks. They, they worked hard to, to raise us in the faith. Three sisters. Where do you fit in among the three sisters? Yeah, I'm the oldest. I'm the only, only male. Okay. And I have three younger sisters spread out, three years younger, nine years younger, 15 years younger. Uh, my sister, who's closest to me in age, she's actually a medical doctor and a missionary in Malawi in Africa really? with her family there. Yeah, and then I have a, 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 my middle sister. She lives near my parents. She's got some kids as well. And then I have a, my youngest sister lives in Denver, Colorado. So growing up, Matt, did you think that you wanted to be a police officer like your dad? Uh, no, I, I didn't. You know, I went through kind of the classic, you know, boy phases. I want to be a race car driver, a basketball <laughs> player. Uh, but uh, in 10th grade, I went on a youth ministry retreat, and uh, the Lord clearly on that retreat called me going, to go into ministry. And I... I you know, I've doubted other parts of my faith, you know, just as you struggle in college sure, or whatever, yeah. but I've never doubted my call to ministry. The Lord is very clear in that, and my father always, and my mother always encouraged me along that path. That's an important thing to have, obviously, as a pastor, a clear call and definition that God wants you to be a pastor. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I didn't always want to be a senior pastor. I knew I wanted to teach the Bible, and I knew I wanted to work with God's people, but he sort of clarified that call over time, or maybe maybe modified it for different stages of, of my life and ministry. But yeah, it was clear. I loved the Word of God, and I wanted to help his people understand it and apply it. When did you get the call about coming to Memphis? Well, I had served as a senior pastor before, and then in Tallahassee, Florida, I served at a wonderful church, City Church, Tallahassee. I was their campus pastor for a while, and it was almost like a late internship or residency kind of late in my ministry to go and learn from this incredible church that had grown very quickly, but without compromising in any doctrines. I learned and grew so much there, but we started talking to Trinity just probably three or four months before they called me. It moved really quickly which was an encouragement to us yeah. and even sort of clarifying uh, in terms of the Lord's will. So looking back now, you kind of see the steps and how God really um, led and moved you here. Yeah, we I could spend the rest of today <laughs> telling you some amazing <laughs> things, and it re even through some frustrating periods of, of, of searching for the right place to go next, especially trying to search for that during COVID. Oh, yeah. Uh, that was 
pretty crazy. I can look back and I'm so thankful how he worked out Trinity and brought us here. It's been a wonderful fit. Our people are ready to go. They're, they're already have a deep history of, of living for, uh, for the good of their city and the yeah. gospel spreading in their city, but they're getting after it now. Yeah. It's exciting to be part of what the Lord's doing in there. So what adjustments were there for the kids? And how old were your children? Well, I have five kids, so I, I'm not sure. It would take me a minute to think through. Right now, if I could say right now, uh, the youngest is four and the oldest is 11. I actually have two 11-year-olds. My oldest is adopted. He's eight weeks older than my first biological son. Okay. That's also a longer story than we have time for. So four to 11, I guess back then it was about three to 10. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah, it was it was an adjustment uh, you know, one of my children in particular sort of struggled just to kind of get used to a new school, uh, but they're all doing well now, and, and they love their school. Uh, I'm grateful the school that they go to is actually elementary and middle, yeah. and so next year my my youngest will start kindergarten, and yet all five of my kids will be at the same school for okay. two years, oh, so wow. we love that. Yeah, and I know when you make those adjustments as a family, whether it be a move in the ministry or just a move in a job, it can be tough on the kids. We were missionaries left Memphis and went to the island of Guam. At the time, my oldest son that time was 11 years old. And I remember the first probably three months, he would cry himself to sleep at night saying, God called you to be missionaries, not me. I want to go back to Memphis. You know, it was so hard, you know, and and those kind of things you deal with with family sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for us, we've moved where none of the grandparents are nearby. You know, they miss them. Uh, And uh, it's, I think for some of my kids, it was a little bit interesting coming in partway through the year and trying to figure out where they fit in this class and the totem pole and all that sort of stuff. It takes a while for them to adjust, but now they're doing great. Of course, we've started a new school year now that we've celebrated a whole year here, so they're much more comfortable, I think. When you walk into a new opportunity like at Trinity as being the new lead pastor, what are some ways you approach that, yeah, you know, and and maybe advice from older, wiser mentors that you've trusted as you step into this role? Yeah, that's a good question. The first thing for me, uh, you know, I think the primary way that I lead is through the pulpit. Uh, Obviously, there's lots of other aspects, you know, administrative leadership, pastoral care, uh, but the pulpit is the most important part of my leadership, and I wanted to lay out early on uh, a gospel focus uh, and also an expository uh, style of preaching. Uh, so the first thing I did was I began a series in the book of Colossians, because that's not a super long series, so I wanted to kind of give them a taste before we jumped into a longer series like we're in now, yeah. finishing almost finishing up the book of Genesis. It's also just so gospel-centered. You know, Paul explains in all his epistles, you know, unpacks doctrinal truth, the, what we call the indicative, right, what's being communicated, and then he goes to the imperative based on that truth, right? So Paul just, he's so clear in that pattern. I wanted to do a book like that to start with. Uh, in terms of advice from old, older ministers, I remember in seminary it was sort of beaten to my head, be wise about the changes that you make. I also sort of learned in a previous senior pastorate that you do need to lead some change early on just so you establish, hey, here's the direction we're going. The Lord has been gracious. I, I think it's been a wonderful first year, and I've been able to, I think, 
walk with our people, get to know them, ground them in the Word, but also understand where we are as a church and not move too quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to be careful, <laughs> you know, right? And, and they're, they're a faithful church. Yeah. I mean, they love the Word. They love their community. So uh, there's a lot about us that doesn't need to change, yeah. you know what I mean? But we also need to change to be able to communicate the gospel in ways that are understood by the next generation. Going back to your series in Colossians, what are some standouts to you personally that you gained when you went through the book? Yeah, probably my favorite section of the book is just in the beginning of chapter 1, verse 15, I believe it is, where he says that Christ is preeminent, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And so that whole book, he's lifting up Christ. It's just so rich doctrinally, flowing from the gospel, and then calling us as God's people to unity and mission uh, and, and lives of worship. Yeah. It seems like when we look at that statement that Christ has preeminence, are we there yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think there's two layers there. You have the individual, right, but also the corporate aspect to we as a church. So I think you look at the same author, Paul in Romans 7, even Paul the Apostle saying, I do not do what I want to do, right? And, right. and what, I, what I don't want to do, I keep doing. You know, a wretched man who will deliver me right. from this body of death. I thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, yes. so it's an ongoing thing, right? Yes. None of us have arrived. Paul's yeah. saying, you know, I, I press forward, yeah. you know, until I, I attain that, which for which, uh, that for which Christ laid hold of me. So uh, it's an ongoing battle for us, flesh versus the Spirit. And then as individual churches, you know, we're constantly having to – you know, if if churches are having new life, you know, you're bringing in people who don't know the Lord, and so right. you're starting from square one all yeah. the time. Yeah. Uh, but but even older believers should constantly be examining their lives in comparison to God's words. Yes. God's word. So yes and no, I guess yeah, is the yeah. answer. <laughs> and I like what you said too when you, you said the instruction of doctrine, because the church does have a foundation. And it is based on doctrines that oh, yeah. have been laid down, the, the truth. I mean, it's God's Word. Yeah, and we're unified not by empty statements of unity. We're unified by truth. That's what holds us together. The center holds, yes. so to speak, yeah. uh, because uh, of the gospel and who Christ is. So you're doing an uh, expository format in your preaching. Now, you meet Sunday mornings. How yes, many sir. services do you have? Right now we have one service, 1030 okay. a.m. So we have Sunday school hour before that at 915 service at 1030. We have some Sunday evening activities, our youth meet on Sunday nights. Uh, right now, we've been on hold on Wednesday nights uh, just because of COVID, and we were about to start it. Delta variant came in. Yeah. But our plan right now is to roll everything back out in January. You've had a tradition at Trinity about this time of year dealing with Christmas. Yeah. Is that going to continue? We would love to continue that, but when we were making the decision for this year, Delta variant was still raging. Yeah. So we have held off this year. Because you did, put a lot into that. Yeah, yeah. it's a, a major labor of love uh, for our church. It's significant cost, but I haven't seen it yet. That's a, that's a frustrating <laughs> thing. I hear all these amazing stories of how many thousands of people come through yeah. and the relationships we're able to build. And I, I want to see it for myself and, and be able to leverage those opportunities to get to know folks. And well, so, doggone it, Matt. I, I, I had these uh, little date nights with my granddaughters, <laughs> and I, I brought a couple years ago yeah, my yeah. granddaughter to – the official title is – Alpine Village. Thank you, the Alpine Pine Village yeah. at Christmas, and we had more fun, you yeah. know, going through, and she got candy, and, and, and but, we, but it was just such a fun time to be together, and I would love to go back. So maybe next year. Yeah, check, your, check our <laughs> website, please, uh, because we are tentatively planning to do it next year. One of the things we left off with, we talked about a 60-second feature 
I don't know if you want to call it a devotional, a Bible. What are you going to call it? <laughs> what do you think about Matt's Minute? I don't know if that's a little yeah. cheesy. No, no. <laughs> hey, listen, I like it. Yeah. It's a minute long. It's my name. It's easy to remember. What are you going to bring to Matt's Minute? So what we're going to do is just to try to have a devotional thought. Uh, it'll be six days a week, uh, Monday through Friday at 1030 a.m., and then Saturday it'll be kind of a floating uh, segment. But I want it to be a devotional thought that in many cases will actually connect to our expository series. I explained to you last time that we, yeah. you know, I work through books of Scripture. I believe that's what's healthiest for churches long term is to just be grounded in God's Word and let the Holy Spirit set the agenda. Uh, and so what I'm going to try to do is to give little glimpses of what we're covering through yeah. that. Maybe not every single show, uh, but to try to help people connect. And, and, of course, if they would love to come to hear the whole thing on Sunday, we'd love for that as well. Oh, that'll be great. We're excited about it, and we'll be broadcasting specific times and letting people know when they can tune in. And that's coming up in January, something to look forward to. Another thing we learned about you and your wife, that you have five children, kind of stair-step. Yes. And uh, Otis is about 11, and the youngest is four. That's correct. They're well in, into school right now. What about family time when the Crawfords want to hang out. What do you guys yeah. like to do? Yeah, well, we've fallen in love with a lot of things to do in Memphis. Uh, some generous folks in our church gave us memberships to the Memphis Zoo, Memphis Botanic Gardens. Uh, Fridays are my favorite day of the week uh, because I'm off at the church, and uh, we have all the kids in either school or mom's day out. And so Christy and I, we love to go down to Memphis Botanic Gardens or try one of the amazing restaurants we have here in town. Yeah. That's kind of the rhythm of our weeks. When we're together in the evening, uh, we really prioritize our family dinners. Yeah. And that's when we do our family Bible time. I found that uh, kids listen really well if they're putting food in their mouth, <laughs> yeah. especially dessert. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they quiet <laughs> down quite a bit then. Right. So that's when we do our Bible story time. And so I'll read a passage of Scripture. Wow. Right now we're getting close to finishing the book of Exodus. It's a challenge in parts when the, the dimensions of the tabernacle and things like that. Uh, but we're, again, walking through books as a family as well. And so we read that. They get them a chance to ask questions. And we pray together based on that. I love that. So you've had enough time to kind of get adjusted. I remember the late Adrian Rogers gave us some advice when we were missionaries overseas. He said, about the second year, it'll start feeling like home. Yeah. He said, it, it takes some adjustments, but he said, just wait for the second year. And he was right. By the time the second year rolled around, the first Christmas was tough. But by that second time, we started fitting in, making it like home. But coming into the city, what are some initial observations that you have about the city of Memphis? Yeah. I just have to, if you don't mind, one testimony. I, I prayed to the Lord that he would make Memphis feel like home soon, and he has more than answered that prayer. I, I've fallen in love with the city. What I've noticed, Memphis has this history, this sad history of racial disunity. And yet I think perhaps in God's kindness and grace, because of that, I, I don't know if people, have, pastors and leaders have focused more to try to build that unity. So yesterday morning, I was at a pastor's breakfast. There's a group putting together a race for reconciliation. I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah, or I do, not. yeah. Yeah, on Martin Luther King Day in January. And I didn't come here to advertise for that, but I was at this prayer breakfast for that uh, event. And I was so encouraged. Pastors from different denominations, from different racial backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic, you know, across the city, there's a desire to come together and share the gospel. But also, you know, we have a lot of violence in our city. We have to be honest about that. Yeah. And there's folks who are saying, let's let's pray to God about this. We have a prayer initiative, Memphis Prayer 365, that our church is part of, trying to cover Memphis in prayer yeah. 
24 hours a day. Wow. Uh, so that we're part of that. We're part of these other initiatives. I, I'm encouraged uh, by the unity that I see uh, of pastors, and I've been so welcomed by other pastors. That's a great thing, Matt, and I'm glad you shared that. And, yeah, we do have a sad history, not only in our city, of course, with the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, but just the whole issue of racism in yeah. our country. I've been a part of some of these groups where pastors get together, have time to reflect, have time to pray together, and it's beautiful when it you is. get together. It you really know? is. Because we are the body of Christ. Yeah, and, and I've, I've been part of prayer, prayer groups, like a weekly prayer group with other pastors on a Zoom call, and it's it's pastors whose names you would know, yeah. and there is not this sense of competition or posturing or you know the ba- unhealthy banter that yeah. pastors sometimes fall into. I don't see that here, yeah. Yeah. and it's so encouraging. That is encouraging. And, and really, how is the world going to know that we belong to Christ without having love for each other? Oh, you know? yeah. That Jesus said that. They'll know you're my disciples by that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes we feel like we're going to have to compromise truth or what we believe. Certain things we can't compromise foundationally. But I think for those most part, those you gather with and the people you're speaking of, you're already on common ground. Oh, yeah. You know, you're so much alike more than you realize. And you don't know that until you get together. Yeah. And that's why it's important, I think, to, to do that, uh, to, to talk about the gospel truths that change us individually and change us as God's people, and that we believe will change our community. What are some of the biggest challenges to a pastor in his relationship to his wife, trying to keep a marriage fresh? Yeah, I think uh, probably the biggest one is just time. Uh, because in, in ministry, you never know what each day is going to look like. Yeah. That, there's excitement to that, right? I go in, I'm like, who knows what's going to happen today <laughs> uh, or what I'm going to get to work on. I love the freshness of that, like the variety right. of pastoral ministry, right. but it can also very easily just push – and this is not – particular to Trinity. You no, know, this no. is really any church. Yes. It can push into your personal life in a sense that can be unhealthy. Obviously, the church is our family. I yep. mean, so it is personal. Yeah. You know, it's more than just a, a professional career. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we have to work hard, and, and I still need to work on this, to be honest, you know, uh, to make sure that I'm setting aside the time for, for my children, for my wife. Uh, I mentioned uh, previously, I mentioned our Fridays together. Yeah. You know, that's that's an important rhythm for us, that so, I try to set aside work on Friday uh, and just spend time with her. So you have to put these boundaries yeah. around your healthy family. Boundaries, yeah, yeah, healthy boundaries. Yeah, and our, like I said, our family is deeply invested and involved in the life of the church. And I think if it was otherwise, that'd be a problem. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I also have to, my kids need to know that my first ministry is to my wife and them. We all go through trials and tribulation, and Jesus said in this life you will have trials and tribulation. What are some challenges, maybe trials, that the Crawford family has gone through together, and how have you seen God help you through that? Yeah, well, we've talked a lot about our kids. Uh, Christy and I, believe it or not, we were infertile for two years uh, and struggled with that, and that's the Lord in, you know, in his plan caused us to start an adoption process. And then about nine months into that process, all of a sudden we got pregnant. Uh, and so then that's why I have two sons who are eight weeks apart, because <laughs> they matched us right before she gave birth. Uh, that was a pretty intense time. Uh, not too many people have uh, a newborn and a very pregnant wife at the same time. <laughs> Normally you transition from one stage to the next. Uh, so we walked through that period. Uh, a little bit later, we had another pregnancy that we went in for a regular 
checkup at 16 weeks and there was no heartbeat. And I was that then began the hardest three days of our lives oh, of trying to, yeah. you know, be able to for that pregnancy to be able to clear, yeah. but also keep my wife safe. Yes. Uh, and so we we've been through. <laughs> the way I say it is that we've been through just about every kind of experience you can have in your childbearing years, from adoption to basically twins. I had two newborns eight weeks apart. You know, infertility, a large family, uh, and so in God's kindness, we're able to minister and understand. Almost anything that young couples in our church is, are going through, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So what did you hear God's voice speaking to you and Christy in the process? In the process of, of our children? or In the process of going through these trials. Yeah. Well, I remember at that moment uh, when we went in for that regular uh, uh, checkup and had, saw no heartbeat, the, Job's words came to mind right away. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And you know, I may not have felt that down to the, <laughs> the sure. core of my being, but uh, I, I think the Lord gave me the ability to hang hope on that statement. Yeah. You know, God, we had been through infertility, and God had chosen in his kindness to give us an adopted son and a biological son, wow. and then we had that loss. And I believe that that, that baby's with the Lord now, and I'll, yes. I'll get, to, get, to, get to meet her. Uh, but then he's also been so generous to us to give us three more kids after that. And so, <laughs> you know, he, he's good. Uh, we experience trials and difficulties in the world as a result of sin, but we know that God's turning all of those to good for those yeah. who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Well, Trinity Baptist Church is located in Cordova and has a wonderful property there at Trinity Road and Sang at the corner there. Some activity fields, I think, for yes, kids to enjoy and probably adults too. Yeah. Uh, what do you want a first-time visitor when they come into Trinity? What do you want them to experience? What I want them to experience is what our church is. All, I have nothing to do with this. They are already this way, have been this way. They are a very welcoming church. They've been that way for a long time. People feel that when they come in the door. Uh, I want them to feel welcomed and loved, and I want them to feel that we are people who are formed and shaped by the Word of God. Tell me about your staff and how they compliment you and what you do. Yeah, so uh, I have an associate pastor uh, who is originally from Brazil. His name is Gerson Garros. He is a wonderful associate pastor, incredible at at, at teaching and a pastoral care. So he's kind of, you know, my right hand in terms of pastoral ministry. And then we have a worship pastor named Ken Reich. Ken has been here in Memphis for a long time. Ken's a friend of mine. Yeah. yeah I mean, the nicest guy you might ever meet. Yeah. Uh, people told me that about him, and you, you sort of doubt it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but no, he's the real deal. So Ken has been on our staff for about six months and is doing a phenomenal job, not only uh, leading our music, but loving our people well, just full of the joy of the Lord. Uh, we have a uh, lady named Lisa Buckner, who's our, our children's director. She also does ministry to senior adults. That might sound like a strange combination. She is one of the few people in the world that does both very well. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah, she just is such a relational person and a hard, hard worker. That's Lisa. Uh, Babette Wisdom is over our Mother's Day Out program. And then we have Nathan Chester, who's our youth pastor. In fact, Nathan, this past Sunday, completed his ordination council, unanimously passed that. We had our deacons and pastors and also some other pastors from the community came in and joined us. Uh, he passed that council, and this coming Sunday we'll be laying hands on him and, and uh, praying for his ordination. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Having a, a staff that's cohesive, works together, even because we're human. We're all human, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's important that there's grace and mercy among church staff. Oh, 100%. Yeah. We're, Paul David Tripp in his book, Dangerous Calling, says even the pastor is in the middle of his own sanctification. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've got to remember that. Yeah. Okay, we're all in that process. Uh, and so we're going to have to extend grace to one another, bearing with one another, you know, forgiving as Christ forgave us. 
but also building the depth of relationship and, and having fun together, enjoying yeah. ministry together. We're, we're blessed with that at Trinity. I'm so thankful to the Lord for the team that we have. Matt, if folks want more information about Trinity Baptist Church, what should they do? Best way to just go to trinitybaptistchurch.org. And you've got service on Sunday mornings at what time? 10.30 a.m. We have Sunday school hour before that at 9.15, but our main service is 10.30 a.m. Thank you for joining Bot Radio in January for this new Matt Minute. We're excited to see how God uses that with our listeners. Thank you for what you are allowing Christ to do through your life for His glory and for His kingdom. It's a blessing. Thanks for having me on. Matt Crawford with Trinity Baptist Church, the lead pastor there, is our guest. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.